0: My name is Matt Love. Welcome to Ask Me Anything. Today, we have a clip from uh, one of our staff meetings recently uh, where Pastor JD, in a lot of our staff meetings, Pastor JD will uh, share some helpful content um, or an encouragement. And one of the things he talked about recently was was talking about the question, How do we know if revival is real? Uh, He wanted to share some of his thoughts in that staff meeting on what's been going on. I don't know if you've uh, been aware of this, but there's in places like Asbury, there's some things going on that really seem like revival. So in our staff meeting, Pastor JD was kind of unpacking, what does that look like to really evaluate and see, is that is that real? Is what's happening there real? And so that's the question we're going to pull from that meeting, um, and JD's going to answer the question, how do we know if revival is real?
1: Finally, I want to spend our last few minutes here talking um, about um, one of the things, and, and that is some of you have seen this going on here um, in the country, just some of the revivals that are taking place. Um, you know, people, everybody wants to interpret it, and what do you think about it? Um, I, I'm encouraged by it. Uh, I long for that kind of thing here. Um, I did want to give you just a little bit of encouragement and also, you know, maybe Kind of instruction type of thing, you know there really is uh, I feel like I've read enough about this to know that there's a couple of ways that God tends to send revivals in places. Um, some of them occur like what you're reading about in some of these places where there's this outpouring, and we long for that there's another way, and that is it's it's um, God is sending awakening, but uh, some of it is through kind of more like normal means. Uh, Rick Warren, uh, I remember hearing him say a few years ago, he said, Saddleback's never had a revival. He said, We've just had vival, you know, for whatever amount of years. And, um, you know, Saddleback's not a perfect church, so don't hear that. But, um, um, you know, what you've got is you've got, at least you could say, more people coming to Christ. Through that movement and seems to be sincerely than most churches ever get to experience a lot of missions. But it really is like there's a lot of evidence of genuine spiritual awakening. But it didn't happen in one service that just extended for you know eight days. Um, it happened through faithful um, preaching and teaching and disciple making and um, you know. So I I want us to be aware that God you know. God chooses how he's gonna send things. You know, the definition of revival, and again, I'll quote Keller here, the intensification of the ordinary operation of the work of the Holy Spirit. Just ordinary work of the Holy Spirit occurring mainly through the ordinary instituted means of grace. What did God call us to do? Preaching, pastoring, worship, prayer. During those seasons of revival, God's glory gets heavier Sin becomes more real. Jesus' love and his presence become more felt. And lots of people get saved. So we get up every day and we say, what do we do? I do this, basically four things you listed out. Preach, pastor, worship, and pray. And people get saved. And God decides when and how he's gonna pour that out. Um, So my encouragement to you is, you know, there's a few things I wanna say. Don't force anything or assume it has to look like it does somewhere else. Um, You don't imitate that kind of stuff. Um, stuff you see other places makes you hungry for it and hungry for a greater experience of grace as God awakens. But you don't imitate it. You don't force it. You don't say, well, they did this. If we do that, this is what will happen. Almost none of Jesus' miracles happen in the same way. Right? You know, like sometimes he speaks, sometimes he spits on the ground. Sometimes he sends people. It's just all different ways. And it's nothing else. It's just teaching us. You cannot reproduce a miracle. You just keep doing what you're supposed to be doing and God chooses when to send those things. So um, we long for it, we're not gonna force anything or assume it has to look like it does somewhere else, but a few things that these kinds of awakenings always have in common, prayer. The first one is just prayer. Prayer is usually the evidence that God is on the move. Uh, The greatest answer to prayer is always more prayer, a greater desire for prayer. And so I want you to be aware of where God is doing that in our church and in your life personally, in your ministry. I told some of our leaders the other day, I just had a personal um, uh, thing happen with this. Well, first of all, I read this morning in my quiet time, Psalm 71, where David, as an old man, is writing. And he basically says, you know, he's writing in his old age, his strength is failing. he's like, the one thing I'm concerned about is teaching the next generation the faithfulness of the Lord. Now, I'm not older and my strength is not failing. Okay, but I did think the one thing that I really want... This next generation of Summit Church, our our, our leaders that are raising up, my kids, I want them to just know in the depths of their heart that God is faithful and that he answers prayers. And sometimes it takes a lifetime of praying. And here's where it recently happened for me. I shared this with um, Chris. I, I, I for all practical purposes, became a Christian when I was 16. And um, got saved and just really felt like, I I mean, I just, I just, got awakened to things and the lostness of my friends and the lostness of the world. And I started to get involved in ministry. One of the things I, I did um, is my church was a pretty traditional, you know, pretty older church, traditional church and not a lot happening in the church. It was kind of established, probably, you know, 350 people on the weekend. And I just had this hunger for like revival and like people getting, I could remember last time somebody got saved in our church. And so me and one other friend, a couple other people, um, we just started to get together my entire junior and um, almost all the way through my senior year of high school. We got to our church at Sunday school at 915, church at 1035. Um, and so um, we would get there at eight o'clock and we'd just pray. And we're just like, we're gonna pray for an hour that God was in revival. And y'all, I used to leave those, I cannot tell you how many times I left that, after being done with that hour of prayer thinking, this is it. Like today is the day. Today's the day. God's just going to send it. And I I, cannot, I would just be broken hearted and bewildered and disappointed because I'd sit through another service and be like, nothing. I mean, nothing happened in there. And like, where was it? And there was nobody that was like anticipating it more than me because I was praying it and God had promised it. And I prayed and prayed that for a couple of years and and then just sort of, you know, just sort of trailed off, you know, and I moved on to other things and my life got filled up with, with different things and Never really um, thought about it. Well, this past weekend, I had a um, chance to be at, uh, with Kyle Mercer, Two Cities Church in Winston-Salem. And, uh, you know, so uh, four services, relatively new church. Um, it is, I mean, all, including the services on Saturday and Sunday night, uh, which are, you know, times, who wants to go to church those times? but. They were standing room only. Those were the fullest services all of them on Saturday and Sunday night, and room price at 500 or so and they're just I mean it really is just. I, I look around the room and I actually see people that used to go to the church that I grew up in. Uh, some of them are older people, and I see them out there in this audience, and um, you can actually walk out the front door of this church and you can actually see my, my um, old church because it's up on this um, hill up there. And I just had this kind of overwhelming sense. Just I uh, spent the afternoon, on Sunday afternoons, kind of walking around. The, it was one of those moments where the Lord said, "You know, I heard every prayer that you prayed when you were 16 years old." And I was not brushing you off. I was not not paying attention. Um, I, you know, I kept all these things. What what's the Revelation say? In a bottle, I put them all up there. They were under the altar, and. I answered them, not in the way you were expecting, didn't happen in a service, it actually is happening in a better way, and you actually get to be a part of it, because your church is a part of this plant, you sent a lot of your people, a lot of things have happened here, and this was, at least in part, me answering the prayers of a couple of 16 year olds who were burdened about God sending revival to their church. And when I was walking around that property, <laughs> um, I was reminded of this story I read in Adoniram Judson's biography, Where, um, I don't know if you remember this, but um, on his last ship ride to America, pretty much his only ship ride to America, he um, led six Jews to Christ right before he died. It's sort of random, six Jewish men he leads to Christ there on that ship. But he records in his journal this was the last answer, the last major thing in my life that I had prayed that I'd never seen God answer. And he talked about when he was a New Christian he thought God had called him to go to Israel to share Christ with Jews, and he always just thought that that was something he just got wrong, and it came from nowhere, you know, and he just prayed and and didn 't go anywhere he said, but i'd prayed so earnestly on it, and then it was sixty five years of ministry in somewhere else, and now i 'm seeing God answer that on this last boat ride that i 've led these men to Christ, who I believe are going to become leaders and you know, this church there, and it reminded you the way Adam Judson wrote it is not one thing, significant thing, have I ever believed and trusted God for and prayed for. Not one thing in my life in ministry have I ever not seen God answer. And I just want to tell the next generation in my journal God is faithful. God's faithful, and He's going to send what He said He would send. So um, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, because your labor is not in vain. Every prayer is heard, every, every desire, every yearning of faith for his glory, he promises to fulfill. So prayer is always a staple of these things. And so pray and pray and pray, and, and let's ask God to do the amazing. Um, the second characteristic is always confession of sin. There's a greater awareness of your sinfulness. It starts in the church. The few ones of these things that I've had a privilege to be a part of, it was always a sensitivity of the leadership to sin things they we're looking at they should be looking at, bitterness they were harboring toward other people, broken, fractured relationships, pride, self-sufficiency. Um, sometimes it's closet sins that you just are maintaining and God begins to sweep through and people begin to confess sin. And that just sends awakening. Um, like I said, the few that I've been a part of, that was always a characteristic of it. And then the third thing that's always a part of it is it's just an openness to the spirit, you know? We've said that now for the last six or seven months, join God in what he's doing. Um, I, get up, I get to get up this morning as I do every morning and say, it's not my job to save my kids. It's not my job to lead this church. It's not my job to produce spiritual awakening. It's not my job, thank God, to do any of this stuff. God is at work around me at all these things. And I just get up and say, Lord, where do you wanna join me at work and my kids today? Where do you want them to join me at work in the Summit Church? Where do you want me to join you at work in the triangle and we just get to join him and we want to be open to what his spirit is doing.
0: All right. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that was helpful. Um, If you want more from Pastor JD, we would encourage you to follow him on social media, or you can go to jdgreer.com, find all sorts of great resources, um, articles, podcasts, books, all that good stuff. And then we hope you join us next time. We're going to be answering the question, should evangelicals participate in Lent? See you next time on Ask Me.